Have you ever noticed that when, when, when Michael pulls up and he goes, it's Britney, bitch. It's like an Avril Lavigne song. Playing like, I think playing. it's Katy Perry. Yeah, yeah. I had never noticed that. And then he like misses the parallel park and he's like, I'm not going to make that one. <laughs> it's like super wide. Yeah, yeah. Are you guys good at parallel parking? I have had a ton of practice. <laughs> out of paper, out of stock. There's friendly faces around the block. Break loose from the chains that are causing you pain. Call Michael and Stanley, Jim Dwight Creed. Call Andy and Kelly for your business paper needs. Or Dundermill, then the people purchase paper people. Dundermill, then the people purchase paper people. Dundermill, then the people purchase paper people. Hello and welcome to the Michael Scott Podcast Company, a show for fans of The Office by fans of The Office. I'm your host and bowling alley shoe bitch, Sean Roney. In quality assurance, I'm Edwin Janes. And with us as always, our producer in the warehouse, Mr. Alex Ward. Well, Gabe asked me if there were any really cool Lady Gaga moves that he could do for the catwalk. And so then I told... All right. I told him that there was this one cool move where she powers down like a robot. Uh, that's uh, a drop that I specifically... You think that I would let this happen again? <laughs> no way, Jose! By specific request. That's one that I've always wanted. Yep. <laughs> no way, Jose. I told... Uh, as, uh, as you guys probably already know, we talk about, uh, our favorite show, The Office, and every week we discuss a different, uh, a topic. This week, uh, our topic is brought to us by our, uh, handy-dandy call-in... Um, phone number, which you can call. Uh, the number is 503-694-9314. And uh, let's listen to a, a voicemail from one of our adoring fans. Hey, guys. My name is John from Syracuse. Uh, my friend Joe recently turned me on to your podcast, and it's really ignited my passion for The Office again. So thank you. Um, I was just listening to an episode about Dwight, and it got me thinking about when him and Jim have to work together, which is one of my favorite dynamics in the show. Uh, you guys talked about uh, the episode um, in Lecture Circuit where they have to come up with a theme for Kelly's birthday after she gets mad at them for forgetting. And it kind of occurred to me that this was basically the same plot as an episode that happened only eight weeks earlier uh, during the customer survey episode where Kelly gets mad at them again for not showing up to her watch party. And it just kind of struck me how similar those two plots were and how close they were in the show and how I've never really realized that before. So I was wondering if you guys have ever have uh, kind of discovered any other similar plot lines like that that's happened in the show. Uh, keep it up. Love the podcast. Thanks. Oh, that's awesome. Thank you so much, uh, John, for, for calling and leaving us that message. That's a great, uh, that's a great observation. I never really thought about that. Those two episodes before and how they're how they kind of mirror each other calling in from the syracuse branch <laughs> uh, uh yeah now definitely appreciate the the call and the question and it gives us uh, an interesting way to think about the show so i think we're going to tag it from a few different angles um when i listened to this voicemail what i immediately thought of as a is a repeat joke that has always bothered me that's um that kelly and meredith's sisters have both died and neither seem to really care about that. Um, so, like, I, I did not think about this. So, in in Michael's birthday in season season two, 
Um, Kevin has skin cancer, or he might have skin cancer. And I think in a confessional, Kelly says, I never really thought about death until Princess Diana died. That was the saddest funeral ever. That and my sister's. And then, so then the other joke about Meredith's Meredith's sister dying also involves Princess Diana. uh, Spooked in season eight. She talks about going to the royal wedding, right? That's right. And uh, (laughs) and, uh, uh, I think, are Meredith and Kelly dressed as the same thing or something like that? It has something to do with the royal wedding. Yeah. and then Meredith's like, well, I was there. And then she shows Kelly this cell phone video where Meredith's freaking out and says, you're the people's princess. Diana was nothing. <laughs> <laughs> and then Anna, uh, Andy says, I thought you were at your sister's funeral. Meredith says, what I said was my sister's funeral is this weekend. Didn't say where I'd be. <laughs> so, I mean, it seems to me like that's a joke that the writers kind of forgot they already made. You know what I'm saying? Mm. That kind of seems to be John's point, right? Uh, I don't know. I don't know if that the point is that An they... An unintentional repeat? Yeah, I guess. I mean, the show goes on for nine seasons. There are 200 episodes, right? Mm-hmm. Like, I think it's inevitable that they repeat certain lines or jokes or themes. Uh, I never thought of those two jokes conflicting, but I see where you're coming from, you know? Uh, it's interesting the way the show kind of folds over on itself. And I think that's something we'll... You know, we'll get to with all these different repeats, but uh, it is interesting that it comes up with both Kelly and Meredith. Yeah, both their sisters died. They both don't care. Princess Diana mentioned in both jokes. Um, Princess uh, Diana the- also comes up in the British office when they do that training survey, mm. and he plays Don that song about Princess Diana. Good night, my sweet princess. And then yeah. Don stops him, and they're like, is that song about Princess Diana? And they're like, yes, but it could also, you know, refer to your failed relationship. <laughs> so so which writer in the office writer's room is obsessed with Princess Diana is kind of what I want to know. Elton John. <laughs> um, I mean, there's other, there's other little ones that I can think of. Oscar finds hardwood under the carpet twice. Yes. that's that. Okay. You know what? That's a great example of... Yeah. Uh, I don't know if recycling like, or they, repeating Do they joke. even remember that they did this? But yeah, there's... <laughs> I'm trying to remember the first... The context uh, Dwight's the first got the gun as manager. Right, okay, Shoots yes. a bullet Season into seven. the hole. Mm-hmm. Oscar's looking at it and he's like, I can't believe it. There's hardwood floor under here. I Why always knew they... there was hardwood under here. Yes. And then and then when they have the espresso In season nine, later, yeah, when they have the espresso machine. He's tearing up the carpet and he says... It again. He says, I knew I always knew there was hardwood underwear under here. Uh, and it's like, yeah, we know you knew there was hardwood under there. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that's a really good example. I yeah, that that's it. a good example that feels more like a uh, forgotten or repeated joke. Yeah. Um, there's there's repeat jokes that also highlight inconsistencies. There's Pam, Pam and volleyball. Right. Pam. Uh, would always get PMS, would always fake PMS to get out oh, of yeah, volleyball right. in gym. Oh, interesting. Okay, I didn't think about this one. So that's a joke, right? But she played and, volleyball But then there's another school. joke yeah. at a picnic camp, a company picnic that uh, she played tons and tons of volleyball. And what? went to volleyball camp most summers. <laughs> so uh, which, which is, is it, is Pam? It? Huh? <laughs> um, anyways, those are, those are three that right away popped out to me just repeat jokes yeah 
you know, that that it, it just seems like maybe they forgot they already did that. Um, what do you guys think? What does this make you think of this listening to this voicemail from John? So I think we all kind of approached it differently. And I think like in response to John's question uh, and we're going to kind of take that question and sort of pull it into this whole episode a little bit, because I think that like you have a very good answer for maybe things they forgot. I looked at it as just general plots that happened throughout the nine seasons. What plots do they use the most? How do they reuse them? What are the go-to plots? And then like, you can also look at plots over the course of seasons and over the course of the whole show as mm. well. So I sort of look like the whole web of plots and how the office utilizes them. And then um, Edwin, how did you sort of look at the question? So I, you know, I started with Jim and Dwight where it's like, when do Jim and Dwight work together? Right. Tracing that back. And then I thought of other moments where I was very uh, aware of the repeat where when watching the show, I mean, and granted, you know, I've seen the show several times now when you watch a cold open or a, or you hear a line or you see a moment and you think like, all right, that's been repeated throughout the show. And what does that mean mm. to the show and to the characters? So um, I think we'll start with your uh, talk about plots and overall yeah. kind of trajectories. And then we'll drill into like the really specific things that I kind of found. Nice. So, well, yeah, yeah. What do you got? What do you. So I, I kind of like ended up reading a lot about plot th theory from all of this okay. and sort of looking at like. because So basically, I was just sort of jotting down notes of like just off the top of my head. Like, what are the main sort of uh, plots that you see happening a lot? And a lot of them have to do... I mean, early on, there's a lot of ones based off of an office environment. Things like downsizing, needing to fire somebody. Mm. Um, just sort of things around that. Getting a new thing in the office. They sort of keep it as this, this group sort of needing things or needing to do something mm -hmm. uh usually around usually from michael has to make a choice right so many episodes are just michael needs to choose this or that whether it's firing someone whether it's uh, a romantic partner whether it's an a item health for the care office, a healthcare plan, plan whatever and so a lot of early seasons who's gonna work on saturday during the basketball game yeah <laughs> seasons and then kind of seasons four through eight there's a lot of what i call sort of call the new guy in town plots uh mm. that extend for several episodes often through the season uh this is i mean charles minor joe bennett uh you get d'angelo andy robert california gabe uh gabe mm -hmm. uh to some extent nelly Dan cordray sure you get all these sort of injections of new people Kathy. throughout this sort of middle period of the show um i mean the whole stanford branch that's kind of where it starts yeah and you kind of see that in season three when after the first two seasons, they're like, let's let's add a new ingredient. You sort of get that. You get Karen, you get Andy, and these sort of new people. Um, Daryl gets a new job. There's all there's they reuse that plot a ton, which is just putting hmm. someone in a new position. It's natural it would happen in an office show. People get promoted, people get fired, people sure, leave. Pam becomes a saleswoman. Yeah, you sort of gets that. Um, yeah. And then on an even broader scale, you get the the boy meets girl, vice versa. Just the romantic storylines. I mean, that's that's going to be a plot in almost any show, sure. any movie. It's almost rare to see a movie or show that doesn't have that element in it. And it's kind of noticeable when it doesn't. Um, and then like <laughs> this sort of entire show arc, which I would say is called the, the metamorphosis. And again, I'm basing this off the plot theory. So uh, this is, here's, here's the fun fact. So, so there's a, there's a journalist named um, Christopher Booker who wrote this book called the seven basic plots. And I've heard this in different mm. forms. Um, I actually first heard about this. I took a screenwriter or took a playwriting class in high school and we talked about like if you really boil it down, there's three basic plots. 
sort of. There's the there's what I'm talking about here: the new guy in town, the boy meets girl, and the quest, hmm. which could be the revenge, the hero's journey. Exactly. Those are so like you could just say there's three, and then the, uh, for this there's a whole book about these seven, which I kind of like, which is overcoming the monster, rags to riches, the quest, voyage and return, rebirth, the comedy, and the tragedy, and it's like. Those seven things, it's like you could put every episode of The Office into one of those. Michael yeah, goes through buckets. all of those in a sing- in twenty minutes. <laughs> yeah, I, it's like it's so true. Like it's just the the more I was kind of looking through all the plots, the more you realize like, man, Michael Scott is the most perfect main character you could possibly ask for if you're yeah. writing this kind of a show. Um, I don't mean to go on too long here, but I also made some notes on just sort of what are my favorite recurring plots that happen yeah. per, for the episodes. So my two favorites are. <laughs> Michael acting out at church and public events. Uh, and Phyllis's wedding. Just ceremonies. Michael uh, Jim and ceremonies. Pam's wedding. Yeah. The Jim and Pam's christening. Diwali, the roast, the stockholders meeting. Oh, you yeah. Get, uh, just any, let's get Michael in front of a bunch uh, of strangers. Uh, Dwight's speech. Yeah. It's, it's, they, they come back to that, like all these different situations. Like, yeah. can we put Michael on stage more, please? And my other favorite one is house parties. Uh, of all sorts. You have Jim's mm. party, you have the watch party, you have mm. cocktails, the dinner party, you have Robert's party, you have the garden party. Viewing party in season seven. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, I noticed in a lot of those episodes, you get kind of jumps in character plots. Yeah. You get romantic things starting, wrapping up. You get sort of, I don't know, those these social events outside of work is a chance for characters to like have some drinks, things yeah. happen, yeah. and it kind of moves things forward. Do you, do you have recurring plots or repeating plots that you don't like i kind of put in, in what i didn't like as is the downsizing or needing to fire someone um, that comes up a lot in the it comes up seasons. a lot and it, it, it kind of comes up in a lot of different ways and like i sort of said earlier that's just gonna happen a lot and like you said it's nine seasons like it's in an office that's gonna happen from time to time Outside of that, I didn't really come up with a list of like things it, I don't necessarily like. In season eight, I feel like every other episode, the whole office is rallying to cheer up Andy as the new it gets pretty tired. office manager. Yeah, It's like his garden party, the tattoo. It just seems like that just kind of keeps over and over and over again. That's kind of what we keep getting season eight. I hear you, but I do think that in season eight, that is what makes... That is what is interesting about the first, I don't know, half of season eight before right. they go to Florida and stuff is that like yeah. what is actually at stake in the office is Andy being a good manager. And I think mm-hmm. I, I, I hear what you're saying that like every episode, yes, it ends with uh, at the end of the tattoo episode. It's Jim saying, you know, Andy, we're going to support you no matter what. Right. Yeah. Or uh, there's another moment in season eight. I can't remember the episode where Dwight is making brownies. And he turns to Andy and he's like, you wanted the job, now do the job. Right, right. right. And at the end of the Lotto episode where Daryl says to Andy, like, he's like, you want to make me happy? Give me your job, right? Yeah. And and Andy says, no, this is my job. I earned it, right? So I think the show has to work through the fact that both, that all of Jim, Andy, Daryl, or Jim, Andy, Daryl, Dwight are all kind of competing for this job. And, the, and, and that Andy gets it, he has to sort of, prove that he's the one to get the job right mm-hmm. and he's the most michael-esque out of all of them and and i hear what you're saying especially on rewatching. like i understand why you would see that plot as tired or or why you would notice that again on repeat viewings but 
I do think it is important coming out of season seven that we reinforce why Andy is manager. Yeah. And that the other characters support him. But well, but yeah, the show's dealing with the sort of existential crisis of Steve Carell leaving. And they're like, yes, we have to like prove this to our fans, not only the people in the office, but like we need to justify Andy being manager. If there mm-hmm. is one plot line that I think and again, we're we have the benefit of hindsight. We're several years removed from the show right. being off the air. I wonder the utility of Andy and Angela, right? Mm. Outside of Angela or the Andy Angela plot being a vehicle for Dwight to realize how much he loves Angela and uh, sort of a way for them to get back together in the end, right? Like how much does Andy and Angela really fit together and how much does it really propel the plot? It's how many episodes are they really together between Mm. them getting together and the duel, you know? And the fact they get engaged so quickly – and the fact I, I, they they feel like they're never really right for each other, you know. Yeah, I mean, I, I, that's a good point too. It's like even after the duel, too. I mean, their relationship—they uh, don't even—they're just right back to work. The episode right after the duel, I'm pretty mm-hmm. sure. Just to just to your point that it just didn't seem. There's well, a really good deleted scene from the finale where Andy Bernard gets up at Dwight and Angela's wedding, and he mentions, you know, Angela and I were once together, but. You know, being here with all of you now, I realized that the only person for Angela was ever Dwight Kashrut or whatever it is. You know, oh wow, and I didn't know that. It's a very nice moment, but you don't really realize it if it's out if it's cut out because it's cut out of the finale. You know, yeah. Just sidebar: Do you guys consider deleted scenes like in the canon of The Office? Well, I haven't seen a lot of them. Yeah. I say no. Say no. Yeah, I yeah. That's, that seems to be the consensus online. Yeah. All right. Sorry, I just I, wanted to ask that i i actually had a quick note too on the uh, as far as like something that does sort of bother me is the the central the boy meets girl plot i mean they there's a lot of couples that happen in the yeah, office absolutely and mm-hmm. obviously the production and writing challenge of bringing in outside romantic characters is kind of unrealistic for this sort of show so of course people are going to couple up in the office yeah also it's understandable that the people that work here are probably not meeting a lot of people outside of the office. Right. But it does seem to like happen a lot. And it, they sort of recycle the same people with different partners like Jim and Pam, like Ryan Dwight and Kelly, Daryl and Kelly, Angela. Yeah. And, yeah. Like that, that to me got a little, that gets a little bit repetitive. That's an interesting point. I think too, I'm reminded of something that John Mulaney said on, uh, I want to say it was You Made It Weird, the Pete Holmes podcast, where he talks about when he had his own sitcom, Mulaney, which kind of famously did not do well, he was talking about how he didn't want it to be all about who is about dating, you know? Mm -hmm. And he was like, I want it not to be about dating, but it'd be about like haunted apartments and stuff. And it's like, all right, if you throw out all the dating storylines, what do you have? He's like, all right, we've got haunted apartments. Uh, what else you know so yeah it's it's funny when you cut out dating storylines like what do you really have you know right. because even when you look at season one of the office like if you cut out like it's jim and pam so is still an undercurrent dating. of the whole show you know yeah. Oh, yeah it is very interesting how much dating and romance sort of uh is a uh theme or a recurring sort of uh, plot line for all these shows as it was in the british office as well Tim right? and Don, i yeah. mean that was a very that was that a really heavy the whole show plot line um dating and and, and that's how you make people care right like yeah. that's why you care about these characters to some extent you know i'm trying to think of a show that doesn't really involve a lot of dating story it's always that sunny. invested it it's always sunny i'm thinking of fresh <laughs> prince oh yeah oh, okay. yeah, yeah. 
One of my all time, one of my all time favorites is Fresh Prince, and like. Yeah, you you just don't, don't. Dating isn't a huge thing throughout the show. Mm-hmm. You know, it's funny you bring up BBC Office. I'm like, they, there's this there's the episode where David Brent goes on some like a date or two, but the show's pretty unconcerned with his love life. It's more oh. Tim the, and Don. Tim yeah. and Don, like right. their tension carries the show is is the crux of the show. And when that tension ends is when the show ends. Right. So it's like yeah, and 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 this show has a much bigger challenge of nine seasons, and it's like they're much more concerned with Michael's. Romantic life, especially as we've Jim discussed. and Pam wraps up. Yeah. yeah, I actually think it's more mostly concerned with Jim and Pam because at the beginning of season nine, at the end of the first episode, new guys, right? Um, Jim and Pam take off their mic packs and they say, "Like, don't you guys have enough?" You know, and and the right. camera guys say, "You know, we're mostly just waiting to see what happens with you guys." You mm-hmm. know, so I think Jim and Pam is kind of the sort of undercurrent. You break up another plot line of breaking the fourth wall and making it about the thing itself, the documentary in season mm-hmm. nine. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Meta. It's probably one that's not great, but you know what? I, I, I as more time goes on, the less I'm bothered by it. There, there are times it. when I do enjoy like repeat jokes, and I do think that maybe they were more intentional. Mm. Um, one in particular that stands out is um, Michael liked having Pam bring him notes in meetings. Okay, yeah, I had this one down. Too. Did you really? Oh, yeah, I go didn't ahead. Mean to take it away from no, you. no, no. Please, go okay, ahead. but he. But uh, and then he declines them. Um, what? How does this backfire to for him? Oh, Ryan, he's in a meeting with Ryan, and then uh, Ryan's his boss, of course. And he season says, four. Yeah, customer service is very important. Please take the call. Uh, and so he <laughs> answers the phone and just goes, "Hey, buddy," which is uh, the note that Pam wrote. Yeah, it's Andy, a hot dog that yeah. says, "Hey, buddy." <laughs> hot dog that says, yeah. "Hey, buddy." Um, Andy hot dog fingers. <laughs> Andy. Uh, Andy tries this tactic. Yeah, so my, Michael does it, and he does it with Jan when he's dating Jan, and Jan is like very impressed that he won't take she the loves call. It. Yeah, and then Andy, or um, excuse me, when uh, when he does it with Ryan, Ryan is like, "No, Michael, customer service is the most important, right?" Because, and the post note that Pam gives to Michael is a hot dog that says, "Hey, buddy," and mm-hmm. Andy or Michael picks up the phone and says, "Hey, buddy." Yeah, yeah. yeah. The the sort of echo or the chorus to that is Andy in season eight. Uh, the episode is Pam's replacement, and he tells uh, Aaron, you know, I have this really important client coming in. I want you to come in and stage this fake phone call, yeah. right? And and no matter, and Aaron like <laughs> does not understand, yeah, right. And she comes in and says, Andy, your, your mother has died. Yeah, she's like, you have a very important call, and he's like, I'm with a very important <laughs> client. And she's like, no, your mother has to. And Andy's like, I don't think it was really that serious. And Aaron is like, they've never seen anything like this. <laughs> and then she has Daryl call. And Daryl is like, what am I doing, man? Like, yeah, this seems really doing? terrible. This is really messed right? up. <laughs> He's like, did she have any last words? Right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that is something like, uh, like uh, you know, customer. the customer's always right. Or I and the client who's sitting there is like, oh, my God. Yeah. Like, Oh, I <laughs> yeah, that happens a few times. Like the uh, uh, in other contexts too, of like making him prove it live on the phone. Like that's the thing that comes up from time yeah. to time. Like when Michael's like, "Mom, I'm getting married." Like, "No, you're not." When they're like, "You need to tell your mom." Like, yeah, you know, right away. And yeah, like, that happens from yeah. I like that where it's like, or someone moves their phone to speakerphone while they're talking. And they <laughs> that's a really good out, point. It's a uh, Jim and Dwight on speakerphone and right. the, or, or Michael and Jim on speakerphone talking to Wallace. What uh-huh. about when Michael calls uh, Stanley's uh, mi- uh, wife? 
Hey, Cynthia. Hey. <laughs> and then he's like, oh, no. And then he, he, he like, sorry, takes- just one second, Cynthia. <laughs> Jim just hangs it up. Uh, Michael leaving the voicemail for Jan as she's walking into the building. Oh, yeah. yeah. Another time. Uh, <laughs> um, there's one more. Oh, when, when is it when Michael acts like Jim walks into the office? Uh, yeah, so it's. Nope, the- it's just me. Yeah. Season uh, six, the meeting. Where uh, Jim is trying to convince David Wallace to like have him be co-managing, and he's like, "No, I'd actually like Jim in here." And Jim is already there, so I have to like (laughs) clip clop and like make the sound of the door. Yeah, good use of phone humor, David. Good use of phone humor in the show too. And let's not forget, of course, the uh, "Take a Chance on Me," the incredibly, incredibly choreographed uh, song through the Mm -hmm. phone system, the use of speakerphones. Great job, beautiful. So uh, I'll take it from here if you if you yeah. if you're good on plots. Take it away. We'll, we'll no, do some uh, we'll do some repeat jokes, some storylines, very specific lines. Okay. So uh, going off of John's question, we have Jim and Dwight in season three, traveling salesmen, where they are doing sales calls together, and of course you know J- Dwight sits in the back, uh, and Jim hits the brakes, and Dwight hits his head on the seat rest. Mm-hmm. Jim slaps Dwight because most attacks are. Sp- going to come from the rear right uh that kind of repeats jim and dwight working together in customer survey when they have to plan kelly's birthday party mm-hmm. uh, it happens again when they're the heads of the party planning committee mm-hmm. uh when they have to do the christmas tree unveiling right? oh yeah this uh, has been a successful unveiling <laughs> yeah <laughs> they unveil the tree and and dwight starts uh, it is an artificial tree that will never die like the spirit of christmas <laughs> Dwight starts way too loud, and Jim has to be like, too loud, too loud. And then uh, Dwight starts to count down, 30, 29, and Jim goes, three, two, one. They pull over, they pull off the curtain, right? Um, in season seven, uh, in the Sting episode, when they have to pitch Steve Nash, not NBA point guard Steve Nash, uh, Jim is trying to, uh, or excuse me, Dwight is trying to intimidate Danny Cordray, and he says, that's the largest penis I've ever seen. And I said, that's why I brought you to the Penis Museum, where tickets are $1,000 a piece. <laughs> and they call in Michael off the bench, and Michael says, the only reason I got out of this game is to be reluctantly called back in. <laughs> and, uh, and then in season nine, uh, when they're going to pitch the suit warehouse, Dwight calls Jim and says, uh, hey, uh, it's time for Stinky and Hanson to get back on the road. And Jim says, I'm sorry, Stinky. Uh, I can't get back out there today. And they go through all these different pictures of them, like the two of them mm. on the back of the motorcycle. And and Dwight talks about how the, 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 the backstory is the two of them are brothers. And Jim is the closeted foot fetishist uh, who <laughs> can never reveal his passion or whatever. And he's like, of course, the client never knew that, right? Yeah. Uh, so Jim and Dwight working together is kind of a recurring theme as a sales team or as a organizational team. I love and, when uh, Dwight says, leave the keys. And Jim's like, yeah, you still yeah. do that thing. And Dwight has to he rock out, out yeah, play the air guitar. His head against the... Uh, the headrest. And I guess now that I'm thinking about it now, Jim and Dwight team up against Todd Packer when they have to do that fake radio call. And Dwight <laughs> is like, you go down to that get Harry Potter Harry world. Potter. You you well, have you a butter beer. You you like when you get here. but Right. Who is Justice Beaver? <laughs> you have a butter beer on us. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we talked about Michael with the post-its and Andy with the phone call. Uh, this, this question gave me a great or gave us a great runway to attack. A couple lines that I've always wanted to talk about, but... Let's, let's do it. Too small for an actual discussion mm-hmm. question. Number one, absolutely I do. Right? Yeah. Uh, we should ring a bell because in season one in The Alliance, uh, 
Dwight asks Jim, he says, do you want to be in an alliance with me? And, and Jim says, absolutely, I do. Right. <laughs> so that leads to them teaming up, Dwight getting in the box, them, Jim stabbing air holes in the box to try to listen in on. Uh, Pam does like the fake phone call. Right. Right. And then in season three in Beach Games, when uh, they think that Jim is interviewing for the job and they think that Dwight's going to take over his manager, um, Dwight asks Pam, you know, do you want to be like my sec- my secret assistant regional manager? Your secret assistant to the regional manager. And Pam says, absolutely, I do. And it cuts to a talking head where Pam says, Jim told me that if Dwight ever asked you to be in alliance, you say, absolutely, I do. Yeah. That, uh, is there, a nice, that is a nice callback. There are a couple other weird little ties to that. Like, I really tried to find where there are other moments like that. Mm-hmm. Um, in Happy Hour in season six, when uh, Andy's like, Jim, you should call Pam because Pam is on maternity leave. Jim, you should call Pam and see if she wants to come out. And, and Jim is, uh, no, you know, I think Pam wants to stay home. And he's like, and he goes, baloney, you need to call her right now. And he goes, absolutely, I will do that, right? <laughs> okay. And then Pam says, like, uh, yes, yes, I want to come out. Yeah, yeah. Yes. Yeah, yes, yes, she's so excited. <laughs> uh, and then as a weirder one in season nine and Roy's wedding, um, Andy, you know, this is the episode where – Clark is trying to get Aaron to audition as a news anchor. Ugh. You remember this one? It's really awkward. Yeah. Um, you know, and Andy's like, you should go to the mall with Aaron and buy her a bunch of new clothes. And Clark says, absolutely, I will do that. You know? Oh, yeah. It's oh, a okay. weird It's a weird way for them that, like, that, that, that Clark kind of plays into this whole kind of scheme. Yeah. But absolutely, I do, I think, is kind of an enduring line yeah. from the show that we kind of remember as, like, uh, you know, playing into the Jim and Dwight. Jim and Pam, Pam and Dwight kind of relationship. Going along with that. I mean, you know, in a way, it's... They don't always say, uh, absolutely, I do, but... um, Like, Dwight Christmas. Yeah. You know, Mm, just these times when they're just like, of course, the correct response is absolutely not, but... uh, You want to see see where this goes. You want to see what Dwight (laughs) Dwight's idea. Am I the only one who wants to meet this (laughs) bell pickle guy? Yeah. (laughs) Uh, another one that came up, these are both in season eight, uh, is when at the end of uh, Pam's replacement episode where Kathy is introduced for the first time, it's Kevin and the Zits and they're jamming. And then Robert comes down the stairs and he's like, what have I stumbled upon here? Right. <laughs> and he calls in the other musicians and stuff. Yeah. And uh, they uh, and at the end of the episode, you know, Kevin and Andy and Daryl are kind of replaced by these actual professional musicians. Right. And the tag to the episode is is Kevin and the other drummer like going back and forth and Kevin plays like a really simple drum riff and the other like professional drummer plays this crazy drum riff. Yeah, yeah. It cuts back to Kevin. He plays something really simple. The other drummer plays something crazy, right? Mm-hmm. The same thing happens with Jim in the Test the Store episode later on where Jim is tasked with standing oh. outside and spinning the sign that says like Sabre mm-hmm. or whatever it yeah. is. And there's another guy for like a cell phone store yeah. who's also spinning a sign. It's the same kind of thing where the other guy right. is like really, really good and Jim is terrible yeah. putting the sign through his legs or whatever it yeah, is. Yeah, yeah. Um, that's one that when I rewatched the show, like it's like they really recently did this, you know? Oh, yeah, for it's, sure. It's like they re- they did Pretty this like close. two episodes ago, it feels like. Oh, man, that's yeah. so funny. Bit of a callback to uh, in BBC, the dance off. When yeah, like the yeah. uh, Neil, the new manager, is really good, but like a good ballroom dancer. <laughs> yeah, yes, they do the they do Saturday Night Fever, and then uh, David Brent says he's like, it's flash dance mixed with some MC Hammer shit. <clears throat> you know, all time. Yeah. Uh, but it's in not season- a party if you don't do something that scares you. 
in uh, in season three in safety training, they bet uh, on all sorts of different things in the office, you know, uh, you know, and uh, and then later on they bet on what Stanley notices, you know, hmm. and then again it's kind of a recurring thing they bet on which weather. starts with the the the. It's not his my cup of orange juice, but not his cup of hot not coffee. Not his hot coffee, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Is there any limit to what he won't notice, you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, and then uh, the other sort of pieces it is, uh, or the other sort of piece of this is all of them betting on whether or not Stanley has a mustache. Yeah. <laughs> Which is one of the best cold opens it as really a viewer is. in real time watching the show as it aired because you're like, does Stanley have a mustache? Like, you have to think about it. That might be the best example. And the answer is yes. Of course he does. Yes. Yeah. That might be the best example of this, though, of like when they turn on the audience, they're like, we're going to bet that if we do this, it's been long enough that people aren't going to actually know for sure. Yeah. Like, I convince myself going both ways. It's like, yeah. No, wait. <laughs> wait, he does. Pam holds up the drawings. Right. The two <laughs> drawings. Right. Of course. Uh, the other line that I really want to mention, and I'm so glad we get an opportunity to talk about this. The line is, okay, weirdo, you know? And yeah. this is something yeah. that, like, I've thought about, like, a lot, rewatching the show so many times. Boy, it's yeah, a yeah, line yeah. that comes up uh, every now and then, and it's this, this unique sort of term of affection, but it's not really ever called out in a way that absolutely I do is. Wow. You yeah. Know? I'm, they're all popping in. There's a lot of now, Yeah, Michael to Dwight. So yeah. I, Pam I, says it. I, I really okay, tried ahead. to find the exact moments where they say it. Okay, and the first moment that I found was in Frame Toby, the cold open, um, when they're all talking about getting brownies, and Michael's like, I'm going to take two and parcel them out through the day. Mm-hmm. And uh, Kelly's like, I'm going to take one back for Toby. And Michael says, okay, weirdo. You know, like, all right, whatever. You know, like, and Jim is like, oh, my God, you don't know. Yeah. And he's like, you should go back there. And Toby goes, dare I? <laughs> Michael goes, dare, dare I? I? Yeah. <laughs> right. Uh, so no. that's the, f- <laughs> yeah. No, God, please, no. No, right. God, please, no. <laughs> uh, you, you can't file. You can't fire Toby without cause, Michael. I have cause. It is because <laughs> I hate him. You know. Remember his name is Toby. Why don't you take a letter opener and stick it in your skull? <laughs> uh, there are a couple other instances that I could find, and granted, I'm sure there are others that I didn't find. Uh, an example is in Niagara. When uh, when Pam is putting on her wedding dress and Penny, played by Anna Camp, uh, Pam's sister, the only time we ever see Pam's sister, uh, she says to Pam, you know, does your dress even fit? Don't squish the baby, you know. Mm-hmm. And Pam says, OK, weirdo. Yeah. You know, right back to uh, to her sister, you know. Yeah. Uh, and then later in season six, during Double Date, when they're all at uh, that restaurant, um you know, Michael goes to the bathroom. He stops at the bar, and Pam comes by and finds him. And uh, you know, she says, "What are you doing? Like, we need yeah. to come back." And and Michael's like, "No, I needed to stop here." And Pam is like, "Okay, weirdo. You know, you need yeah. to you need to come back to the table, right?" Yeah. And uh, he's going to break up with Helene, of course. Yeah. And then later in season six, during Secretary's Day, when Pam is trying to tell Michael that Donna is cheating on him. You know, she's got these pictures from Facebook where Donna is kissing her husband and Donna is kissing Michael or whatever it is. Uh, she's like, I really I need, need you to look at these right now. Right. Yeah. And, and Michael says, OK, weirdo. Weirdo. Yeah. yeah. So oh. there's like this really it's unique thing that pops up. And like when you watch the show, like you hear like, listen, if you, you know, of course, as you are rewatching the show, I'm assuming yeah. if you listen to the show, you still watch The Office every now and then. But listen for that line. Listen for OK Weirdo, because I think it's a unique sort of term of endearment, term of affection. Oh, I love that. That these characters sort of 
say to each other. You pointed out to me one time that I never noticed that people say GD a lot. GD, yeah. Uh, which a GD for, monkey could do yeah, it. Yeah, I, I don't, don't understand. understand what the problem is. <laughs> um, it's, uh, Angela says it. It's, of course, short yeah. for goddamn, which I don't think you're allowed to say on network television. Probably not. It, it counts as a curse. You can say God, you can say damn, you can't say goddamn. Yeah. There is a season two mention in a deleted scene. Oh, please. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Michael describes Moe as 27 years old, never left the beet farm, a weirdo. <laughs> yeah. so Not was, an okay weirdo, but... I was trying funny. to find more instances of this, and in season nine where Dwight is trying to hire one of his friends as a junior salesman, there's a line from Phyllis where she says, like, you can't blame a weirdo for hiring a weirdo. You know, there's a lot of uh, talking about... The, the, the word weirdo is thrown around a lot. But, yeah. But I love that... When Pam and Michael, these characters that are very close to each other, you know, have these moments together, one of them says to the other, okay, weirdo, like, yeah. calm down, you know? Yeah. Um, so it's a term of affection. I think it's, I'm glad that we have the opportunity to point it out because it's something that, like, I've, I've kind of keyed in on a lot mm. as I rewatch the show. I, I think that what you're, what you're touching on there is a, a point that I wanted to make, which is, like, I started thinking about sort of, you know, bad repeat jokes, right? The idea that, they forgot or they messed up and they made the same joke twice, either back to back or multiple seasons apart. But then I started to think about how there's the, the office really embraces the repeat joke. Yeah. That's what she said. Right. Yeah. It's just a repeat joke and it gets funnier every time somehow. And then you think about two, um, that we just keep rewatching The Office. Like, all the yeah. jokes are repeat <laughs> yeah, jokes. Is the joke on us, yeah. yeah. And that the sh- there's something about the show that, like, they're always kind of in this cycle of, you know, downsizing but, or people being in relationships. And it is kind of the same thing over and over again. And they're always in The Office and stuff like that. And there's something very comfy about that. Of course. You know? So, like, uh, I mean... Obviously, it's not really what John's point was, maybe, but the repeating jokes, the repeating storylines, that's something kind of a just, I mean, you know, it's a sitcom, and I think that that's part of sitcoms. They they make you feel comfortable, you know? Well, and I think, too, like, kind of the, the sort of the back end, or, uh, you know, obviously John's question was so much about repeat storylines, but it got me really thinking about uh, self-awareness from the show, mm-hmm. uh, self-references from the show. And then this notion of callbacks or referencing themselves as the show kind of comes to an end, right? And where does the show do that? How does the show do that? And like, what value does that bring, right? Mm. Um, and I think another sort of self-aware moment that I thought about with the show was during um, when Aaron first comes into the show, Dwight is talking to Andy and they're talking about, you know, they obviously play the Country Road song for, for Aaron. They have these moments kind of where they're both, they both seem to be kind of pursuing her. And Dwight says, you know, I would like to avoid a whole Angela sort of thing, you know, <laughs> and it's a very self-aware moment from not just the characters, but the show yeah. to kind of avoid this sort of thing where the two characters are against competing for whatever single female is in the show. And I thought that was kind of an interesting dynamic. And then I think, too, the other thing where I see it is cold opens, right? At a certain point, you know, seven or eight seasons in, a show begins to reference itself and it finds sort of humor in the fact that, yes, we know that Jim pranks Dwight. Yes, right. the, the cold open is always the conflict same. So, resolution where they bring up all the pranks and he's like, uh, when you list them one right after the other, it's not that funny. Right. And I think, too, like, uh, 
I'm trying to remember the episode, but there's an episode, I think it's a Christmas episode, where Jim talks about where he's like, I don't I don't normally prank a lot, but when I drink, I get really pranky or whatever it yeah. is. And uh, in the cold open where uh, where Creed becomes the manager, right? Great Bratton, right? Mm-hmm. Keep her running. throws the keys to, to no one. In the, cold, in the theme uh, song for that, he turns this weird little sumo toy mm-hmm. towards right. the camera. Mm-hmm. And when Andy is the manager, he, like, knocks over this weird, like, old-timey right. sailor figure where Michael is turning, like, the world's best boss mug towards the camera. I, I just thought about, too, um, you know, uh, the Christmas party when uh, – the classy Christmas party mm-hmm. when Holly returns – Starts with a Christmas party before the classy Christmas party where Michael is like, is everybody happy? Stanley, what stick is up your butt today? You know what I mean? And he says, no, they got these cookies that I like. Right. And it's kind of this point of like, what? There's not going to be a conflict for this office party because there's always (laughs) a conflict at the office party. Is anyone too drunk already? And Meredith is like, nope, I'm good. Yeah. 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 (laughs) Pam got those sugar-free cookies I like. It's funny, I, you uh, earlier mentioned like the like I don't want this to be an Angela situation. It's funny because then like Andy becomes the Dwight character in that, but with Aaron a little bit. Like as Aaron and Gabe, like Andy gets yeah. involved in yet another kind of love triangle there with right. Gabe and Aaron. Oh, but he's yeah. more of the Dwight in that situation because she really wants to be with Andy, even though she's with Gabe. Mm-hmm. Uh, just mm-hmm. kind of a funny thing I noticed. Wow. Also, uh, another great, this is in season nine that sort of, ties in with what we're saying is when uh jim does the holy grail quest oh yeah the dunder code which is a complete like uh he's too busy at athlete yeah and, and she's like are you sure you didn't and he you, there's a moment where he's like he's i'm li- too busy I, oh my god like i completely forgot about that prank. he's literally done so many pranks that he's and they're so intricate like it's so dependent on dwight's gonna see this and think this and, centrist right. and but seat of entry this, and that one's little red cable <laughs> higher than Peter numbers have a little red cable. higher than numbers go the ceiling above accounting yeah. <laughs> and x the annex yeah like but that's so earned because they, they put in the like quote unquote like old footage of jim with his old hair yeah. preparing all those things but it, they were only able to make that joke because it's like season nine Hey, there's probably some that Jim forgot about or like, you know, right, things right. that are traps laying also, at the office. Kind know? of a throwaway joke from season nine is when Clark is sitting next to Pam and he's talking about how Jim and Pam got together, whatever. He sees this old picture and Clark is like, you fell in love with that hair? you Because know? <laughs> Jim has that long, messy yeah. hair in the first couple yeah. seasons, you know, um, which I thought was pretty funny. Um, and then, you know, just talking about sort of. I think the other sort of piece of this and something that I wanted to talk about was the the value of callbacks mm. and when you repeat certain storylines and certain scenarios, like what value that actually brings to the show. At times, to your point, maybe the Kevin drumming and Jim spinning the sign feels um, you notice it a little too much. It feels uh, I don't want this to be an accusation, but it feels a little lazy, you know, sure. because like mm. they just did this, you know, um, but something that I really thought about was Michael's letter of recommendation for Dwight. This of course happens during the goodbye Michael episode in season seven, which is basically an episode full of callbacks. But you know, in season three, when Michael recommends Dwight to kind of take over for him and Michael is under the assumption that he's going under the assumption that he is going to get the, uh, the corporate job, his letter to Dwight says, uh, congratulations, a wipe. Don't screw the pooch. You yeah. Know? And then his letter to Dwight in season seven, recommending him and Dwight is really upset because he didn't recommend him as the new manager mm-hmm. and Michael's uh, 
letter is like you know Webster's defini- uh, definition of um, friend. You know, mm-hmm. is this you know like a friend and ally? Rolling supreme, his eyes at it, yeah. right? Yeah. Like, oh, okay, and then like it actually turns out to be like a really nice sort of heartfelt letter. Mm-hmm. So, I think in general, you know, the office in season seven, starting with Goodbye Michael, and then kind of wrapping into the finale, starts to begin to use callbacks in a meaningful way. And I think in general, as we get these shows that be, that go from several seasons, the value of callbacks is really important because it begins to reward the viewer. For number one, paying attention, being along for the ride, like it it creates this value uh, for the viewer. So I'm I'm wondering if you guys have any other instances that you can think of. Uh, yeah, yeah, I think I think one of the biggest emotional moments in the whole show is a giant callback, uh, is like a bookend, which is the letter that Jim has in the uh, the teapot letter. And the yeah, te- the teapot letter. Mm. I mean, that's a huge structural secret, almost. You know that that then is even referenced again when they're doing the Q and A at the documentary screening. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I don't know that like that's a that's a massive callback that like I'm glad they kind of kind of kept it close to the vest like you never know what it finds out I kind of right. like that because the point of it isn't what it says in the letter the point of it is is everything else around it and you you kind of in this one snapshot you get the whole course of the show of like oh yeah that was before they were like really together and yeah. like here they are now and it's this big journey and that that was that was a nice one for me Christmas is the time to tell people how you feel. <laughs> And this isn't necessarily a callback. I was trying to figure out what's the first time the show kind of looks back on itself. Uh, and I don't. there's probably something mm. before this, but I thought in season three, near the end of season three in Product Recall, mm-hmm. you get the cold open with the very famous cold open when Jim dresses as Dwight. Oh, and yeah. then at the yeah. end of that, you get Dwight as Jim. Um, and that also becomes a little like making fun of Jim as this slacker guy is a fun yeah. little thing that comes up. Very oh, I don't know, man. man. You want to listen to some records? <laughs> that's a that's just one a low wattage one that I yeah. love that happens right. throughout the show. Um, but those those are those are two that stuck in my head right away. There's one, I don't even remember the episode, but there's one where Dwight talks about giving Jim time to put messy spray in his hair. <laughs> <laughs> and those little jokes sometimes there's where the whole a, office laughs. There's yeah. an episode where I think it's uh, it's one of the Florida episodes where uh, Dwight is up really early and they're all in the hotel. And he's like, I'm up at 530 a.m. And he's like, giving time for uh, Jim to put messy spray in his hair and like giving <laughs> yeah. time for Ryan to do his morning ecstasy. Mm-hmm. Like, <laughs> and he's like, so I'm right on schedule, you know. Right. Also, uh, uh, when Phyllis gets flashed, and then Michael uh, callbacks to when Meredith flashed him at the holiday party. Oh, right. That's mm-hmm. just a funny, just a funny one because he uses that as a defense, his own defense. It's like when he flashed me, <laughs> yeah, when <laughs> Meredith flashed me at that holiday party. Um, well, I, I I gotta move us right along here, John. Thank you so much for calling in with your question. I hope that we. Uh, answered it uh, uh, to your satisfaction. Um, if not, we're so sorry. We I have some more callbacks I want to talk about. You, oh I'm my so god, sorry. I'm so sorry. No, I didn't okay. to cut you off yeah, there. I think the okay, and you can you can edit this in as you will. Uh, I think in Goodbye Michael, the whole episode is essentially a series of callbacks. Oh, yeah. Right as we get fulfilling sort of character resolution, right? Callbacks is a big part of it, right? And it's interesting because. You can have characters make callbacks or references to earlier in the show, but like Goodbye Michael is basically a series of that, right? It's mm-hmm. it's Michael playing paintball with Dwight, right? right? It's Michael shooting the back shooting the basketball shot and saying, "All right, warehouse, I'll see you all on the flippity flip." Right, right. Because, uh, oh, sorry, because uh, because 
uh, Dwight at one point offers paintball lessons, and Michael's like, "Who would ever want that?" Yeah, during the uh, Christmas party in yeah, season yeah. two. Yeah, and like season one basketball. Right, season one basketball. Like yeah. there are all these moments where where Michael sort of gets this resolution. It's really fulfilling, and I think too in AARM when Jim has sort of resolved himself to not become a part of athlete, he is sort of uh, fulfilling this this sort of role that he's clearly kind of outgrown as the assistant to the regional manager, you know, just kind of having fun with Dwight and goofing around and playing pranks and stuff. And we see that Jim has kind of outgrown that. But again, it's a self-referential moment. Mm-hmm. And I think, uh, and then lastly, of course, in the finale, which to some extent plays the same sort of function for Dwight that Goodbye Michael did for Michael, where Dwight goes to see Kevin and he gets to kind of work out this resolution with Kevin. And he sees uh, like Elizabeth the Stripper, right? And it's a yeah. callback to... You know, earlier in the show when the Elizabeth the Stripper comes through and Ben Franklin in season three. <laughs> you you right? went to medical school. And Meredith's son comes yeah, back Yeah, Jake well. comes yeah. back, right. And, and uh, in general, I think that, like, the function of callbacks, like, does so much to kind of fulfill character resolution. It and does. to, uh, like, provide sort of this fulfillment of character arcs, you know. I'm thinking of uh, of Game of Thrones this season, right? Like, like last season of Game of Thrones. Uh, of course, by the time this will come out, Game of Thrones will be all the way over. Mm-hmm. But uh, but you think of lines from Game of Thrones, like I'm sp- thinking specifically of when Arya meets Nymeria in season seven, and uh, she says, no, that's not you, right? right? She asks Nymeria to go with her. She says, that's not you. That's a, a callback to season one where Ned Stark says to Arya, you know, you should be a lady. And then he says, no, that's not you. You know, mm-hmm. there are, there's a, there's a certain function that comes with callbacks, right? And we see that in The Office. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think... As you and I and everyone listening like goes back and rewatches The Office, like keep an eye out for that because yeah. that's like where the show folds in on itself is where we find additional meaning. And they yeah. reward you for. I mean, those are kind of like little rewards for having watched the whole show, paying up attention. That point. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I mean, like I've said this before, but like I think the 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 reward or the benefit of rewatching any show like this where there's a lot of attention played to the small details is that it rewards you for paying attention. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, as you bring this up to your point, like as far as characters, I think one of the sweeter ones too, which I believe happens in when, um, goodbye, Michael, like he gives the doll to Oscar. Yeah. And the way Oscar reacts, he accepts it. He has it. the <laughs> lowest opinion of me. And that talking head of Michael one. is, is it's really funny, but it's really sweet because at least when I watch that, I let anxiety of like, oh, Michael's okay with who he is. Yeah. Like, he doesn't care that Oscar thinks he's an idiot. Like, mm-hmm. and, and Oscar, it calls back to all those times that Oscar's been so exasperated with Michael's idiocy. Mm-hmm. And Michael's like, you know what? It's good. Like, I, I don't care anymore. And yeah, it is yeah. this, it puts us all to bed. And it's like, oh, Michael can leave now. Like, he doesn't care mm-hmm. that, yeah. he, that Oscar doesn't like him. You know, yeah. It's huge. It's a way for us to see growth. Yeah. Mm-hmm. When characters encounter the same situation again later on in the series or later on in their journeys, like we can, that's a way for us as, us as viewers to measure growth. Which again kind of goes back to what I was bringing up about plots uh, that like the biggest plot over the course of most TVs, most shows is the metamorphosis, a character changing yeah. and becoming something else. Yeah. And I think that's exactly what callbacks do, especially the whole second half of the office. <laughs> when you talk about so well. the metamorphosis, all I can think of is Kafka and Michael going, who, who is Kafka esque? <laughs> who is I, that? I, I don't know him. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. um, again, John, thank you so much for your question. Uh, that, that was a, an awesome one, a really fun one to talk about. Um, and, uh, 
And uh, I fun one, season four, episode one. <laughs> <laughs> nice callback. I think it's time for a little conference room meeting. All right, you know what? That's it. Conference room, five minutes. All right. Well, I got the conference room this week, and um, this is this is pretty simple. I, I, uh, real quick, Alex is looking at a piece of paper <laughs> with the tiniest the font is on it. So fine. I have no idea where this is going. Well, here's what it is, uh, and this ties into what we were talking about. Um, uh, with this episode today, this so as I'm sure you've seen, is this White and Angela's love contract? Yeah, yeah, I, I got a hold of it, and I want to go over some lines. A lot items. of writing on there. No, um, as I'm sure you saw, there was a, someone on Reddit went through and calculated the price of all of Jim's pranks. <laughs> Have oh, you seen okay. this? Wow, I, I have no. heard about this. So this is a thing. He actually went through. Uh, it was there's a there's a subreddit called They Did the Math, and someone was like, "Could you imagine?" calculating all the money that Jim spent pranking Dwight and over the time. course of nine years and time. Um, so this guy did it wow. and it's not, and, and to be fair, so I, I've read that article and he kind of shows you what's the cheapest, what's the most expensive, but I didn't realize there was a public spreadsheet and I clicked on the spreadsheet and that's what I'm holding here today, mm. which is also on its own, a breakdown of all nine seasons, every prank Holy that Jim did on Dwight here. Um, and then I organized it by price. So I just wanted to go over these with you and just take a look okay. at these financials. Right. Now he admits he hadn't seen the series when someone asked him to do this. Interesting. He went okay. through and watched the series for this and he's like, I made some mistakes, but he ballparked a lot of them. Okay. Can you think of what, and you might know this, what, what do you think is the most expensive prank that Jim pulls on Dwight? That's a good question. What is the most expensive prank? Uh, is it remaking the suit with Terraway Velcro? No, that w- but that's there, there's some contention. That's probably his third most expensive. Okay, actually, sorry, that might be his second most expensive one. So I think you're you're right there. So the, uh, so he had this down as zero, assuming that Pam and Jim did the sewing, which they didn't, because P- Jim says he got it custom ordered. Yeah. And uh, after searching online, he found the average price of that's about $700 to make a custom tearaway suit. What about, oh, you know what the most expensive prank was, it probably is, is them learning Morse code and yes. hiring the nanny. That's, oh, that is correct. Yeah. So he calculated out as about, uh, at about oh $3,000 because that's four weeks of Morse code classes. And then they clearly went somewhere to do that, probably a community college. And then they had a nanny as well for all of those. With our very limited time and money, we hired a nanny and then <laughs> took these courses. I gotta say, I feel like you can just look up Morse code on Google and then practice so it at home. The, the really dark... This was 2011. Yes. This was a different, <laughs> different time, bro. The real Could dark part of doing code. this conference room was then going down the comment thread of people trashing this guy who did this for fun. Yeah. And then they were like, uh, $3,000 like for Morse code. Like, this guy's an idiot. And he's like, <laughs> he's like, I just did this for fun one day. Like, I don't know. I ballparked it. Um, so, okay. So, yes, that was the most expensive. The Morse code classes. He estimates $3,000. Realistically, we could probably cut that in half. Still, that's a lot of money. So for they that did one say they were going to classes and hiring a nanny. That's correct. Second is probably the tearaway suit, which again would cost about seven hundred dollars. Mm-hmm. Hiring Ben Franklin instead of a stripper, assuming okay. the same cost of the stripper is about four hundred dollars. Glass six speakers of Pennsylvania. Replacing probably Dwight's save money. Replies, replacing Dwight's desk with a with a Lego desk. He estimated about five hundred dollars, including all of the Legos and uh, a lot of this. You can think the commissions that Jim is missing out on of all the time he's at the right. office doing this and not doing sales. 
Um, another reason why the well, we'll get to that in the entire total here. Tux rental one thirty for when he mocks Dwight's dress code, mm-hmm. which that's 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 quite a commitment. Oh, yeah. uh, uh, about one hundred and eight dollars uh, when he gives Dwight and Michael Gadar for the headphones and the metal detector. Oh, okay. uh, when he pays everyone to call Dwight Dwayne at five dollars a person. Five dollars a person. That's seventy dollars right mm-hmm. there. Um, there's a deleted scene, season three, episode twelve, back from vacation. There's a deleted scene where we see Michael coming back from the airport uh-huh. to the office, that whole thing. And Dwight immediately comes up to Jim and is complaining about um, the things that Jim did to him over mm-hmm. the course of his vacation, including when he, he says, when I went on vacation to Roswell, New Mexico, <laughs> Jim shipped his entire desk with everything on it to Dwight while he was there. <laughs> so an overnight... That would be- so expensive. He overnight ships a 150-pound desk with everything in there, which comes out to about $1,000. Yeah, it's not so bad. Still, uh, point is, in terms of, yes, and then there's there's all these other things. I mean, the Holy Grail quest, an insane amount of man hours. Wrapping, this is always... Yeah, that, yeah. The desk. Yeah. He doesn't, people think he wraps his desk in holiday wrap. He, he does builds, not. He builds like a breakaway frame. Like, what did he do? Like, it's are just they, paper. Are they There's straws? Nothing there. uh, is there like a, fr- I know. Like, how did he do it? It's an incredible amount of work. I don't even understand. Cooking how- all the meatballs. That's a massive amount of time uh, and food. Oh my God. I don't think it, how much time is it really? Meatballs? <laughs> I, it, There's <laughs> a lot. It, it's not work time. It's true, but that's still you're buying a lot of meat. You're cooking all that, and there's a lot look, of you watch that again. There's a they, lot of meat. They look like Costco meatballs. Yeah, putting the items in the vending machine. I know he knows the guy, hmm. but he had to that vending machine guy had to explain why he didn't stock that. Like he would have had extra items. I don't know. That's something yeah, fishy yeah. there. The hotel room murder scene is very extravagant. Oh yeah, it was, was Lawanda at the alcohol club. <laughs> it was a lot, a lot of time. And then as you yep. mentioned, um, the uh, the tearaway suit. Anyways, I didn't really. I just kind of wanted to go over some of these line items, and he kind of vandalized his hotel room a little bit, didn't he? How does totally. he wrote? Totally. How does he write the message on the? Probably with lipstick. Yeah, yeah. It was Dwight, and right? it's like, yeah, it was Dwight, and it was like there's static on the TV, mm-hmm. and there's like a sheet for that, a rope made of sheets going out the window. Yeah, it's got to yeah. be something for that. Anyway, this, so that's estimated he spent roughly. When you add all of these up, we're talking. Right around six to seven thousand dollars. That's not so bad. What Over bothers the me more years. is the time. The time is really uh, the really the expensive part. Yeah, I mean, Jim doesn't even like going on vacation. So, I mean, the joy he gets out of pranking mm-hmm. probably well worth the money. The time, though, oh my goodness. He also broke it down by uh, by season. And season three, Jim spent almost fifteen hundred dollars. Season four, zero dollars. So maybe the writers were like, maybe Jim's. This isn't quite that realistic. Yeah. Well, that I, that is anyway, so much fun. There you I go. love that. You got to post that uh, when we release I'll the episode. I'll put the link to Let's... this spreadsheet because it's kind of fun just to go through all the pranks on their own. I yeah. think it's time for some trivia. Let's just do our thing, collect our hardware, and get the hell home. Woo! All right. So this week I have trivia, and this is a topic that I've been uh, very uh, excited to ask some trivia questions about. Um, 
This is uh, places and things around Scranton. Mm -hmm. uh, and some of these have been hiding in plain sight. Oh, no. Oh, <laughs> so yeah. I get uh, so nervous when it's you, Sean. All right, oh, here we go. So during the theme song of The Office, yeah. we start with three locations. Okay. The first thing we see is a building. It's almost a steeple. Yeah, yeah. What does it say on the steeple? Well, it's a clock tower. Or, or yeah, or is it? Okay, a steeple. It says... Um, Welcome to Scranton. <laughs> well, there's the sign. There's the like. There's, a, the there's two sign. little words. Steamtown. Uh, <laughs> Electric City. It says pen paper. <laughs> is what it says. Pen paper. Yeah. Huh. Uh, the next thing filmed we by, see. Filmed by John Krasinski. That sequence. Oh, there you go. Yeah. With like a video camera. Yeah, right? they yeah. had him. Yeah, oh. he did it. So the second thing we see in the entry music is a traffic light, with uh, a street sign and a big banner. What is the name of the street, and what does the street sign say? Oh, my God. <laughs> can't believe I is don't it, know this This stuff. isn't the Slough Avenue, is it? No. you got, This is the kind of thing that I'm sure everyone listening, and you guys included, yeah. have seen a million times. Jeez, hiding hundreds. in plain sight. right? Yeah, Thousands. Oh, God. I don't know. I don't know what it is. Uh, so the street is Mulberry Street. Okay. And uh, the banner says, uh, Home Showcase at the Icebox. <laughs> <laughs> And the last thing we see is a sign sort of welcoming people into town. Uh, what does that little roadside sign say? It says Scranton welcomes you. Yeah, that's correct. Yeah. Oh, nice. Yeah. The, the back, the little piece at the bottom says embracing our people, our traditions, our future. Okay. So <laughs> that's the end of the theme music. Of okay. Course. Okay. Uh, what is the name of the local seafood restaurant? Cooper's. That's correct. And... Cooper's Seafood is actually a real restaurant in Scranton, and if you go there, they I guess they have like a big office gift. Oh, great! Uh, uh, section, but or gift shop or whatever it is. What is the we'll name? We'll go of the, there someday. Someday, yeah. Oh <laughs> it's funny. I actually looked into this once, <laughs> <laughs> and like you would have to fly into New York or Newark, yeah. and like take a bus down to Scranton or something. Oh God! And you know, I went on. I think there's a subreddit for Scranton, and people have asked about this. Like uh, the the thread I read was someone from Argentina who was like, "I love the office. Like, I really want to come up. I want to go to Scranton." And the comments are like, "There's not a lot here for you. Like, <laughs> yeah. it's just a town. Like, yeah, right. Not, just an American know. town. Yeah, you right. go to the steam town mall. Go to yeah. Jitters. The office in American pretty workplace. Yeah, Scranton, American town. Mm -hmm. What is the name of the local bar that everyone goes to? Port, oh. Rich Port Richards. Yeah, that is correct." What is the name Killing of the, me. what is the name of the local hockey team? Michael mentioned this once. Oh, oh, start with an S. I mean for Scranton. <laughs> no, I mean the the, the actual team. The team. No, no. Uh, I don't know. Scranton. Woolly Mammoths. <laughs> yeah, penguins. penguins. Ah, correct. yes. The Scranton Wilkesbury Penguins. Yeah, oh. that's correct. Yeah, uh, and oh, then boy. the last one. This is really hard. Uh, after Pam, after Roy attacks Jim, uh, where do Pam and Roy meet to talk about their relationship? Oh, whoa, the diner where they go and meet. Yeah. Ooh. Oh. <laughs> I Did I hop? No. <laughs> no. I have no idea. It is the Hungry Fox Family Restaurant. Wow. <laughs> Did you just see that on the sign? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Jeez. <laughs> that's tough. All right, that's the end of oh, places. That was a good trip. Places yeah. around Scranton. Well done, Alex. Yeah. Wow. Uh, well, then, Shot Alex. Shotgun yeah, no. goes to Alex. <laughs> no way. You won. No way. Good job. You won. That's a, that was Shotgun a good idea. Shotgun goes to Ryan. Congratulations, Ryan. Trivia, <laughs> trivia from the opening credits.
Brilliant. Hiding in plain sight. Yep. That's you guys, great. thank you so much for listening to our show. Uh, check us out on social media, our Facebook, our Twitter, at Michael Scott Pod, Instagram, at Michael Scott Podcast Company, our phone number, which you can call and leave a message, uh, uh, questions, comments, just like John did today. We might do a whole episode based on what you ask us. 503-694-9314. Uh, thank you guys so much for listening. And uh, we'll be back next week. Okay, weirdo. Dink and flick off. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the Roaring Twenties. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games.